Welcome to Unexpected Points. I'm your host, Kevin Cole. I'm joined today by Stephen Holder. He covers the Colts for The Athletic. He's been covering them since 2013, so he's got, a, he's got tenure probably over some of his colleagues there covering the Colts. And what I really wanted to talk with you about today, Stephen, is not just the Wentz trade. Obviously, that is the topical thing, and, and we'll get to that. But I've been really interested in this organization, uh, in particular since Ballard has, has gotten there. And I think you've reported on this a couple of times, how they, not only in the front office, but with coaching, have been very, what we would call, maybe analytics-friendly. Um, and, you know, some teams are maybe analytics-curious. They, they've gone a little bit further, I'd say, and they're actually implementing some of this stuff, and you've written about it. So we're a, we're a nerd-friendly podcast here. So I want to talk about some of that stuff and then feed it into more of the football stuff and their plan going forward. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. And I also appreciate a, a great follow on Twitter. It's, it's, it's at Holder Steven, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, a great somebody, follow I, on Twitter. I think Stephen Holder was taken or something. I don't know. It's been a long yeah. time. But yeah, I feel like I Twitter probably... needs to have some sort of method where if you have a higher follower count, you can claim like you get you, you, you can claim whatever that is. So there's probably some guy with uh, Stephen at Stephen Holder out there with like seven followers who's never who's never used it before. But um, but I'll say good follow on on Twitter, not only in the written stuff, but I think I appreciate uh, not only the analysis that you have, but I appreciate somewhat of a level uh, like mindset when these things come here, because this is a franchise that. Now we're going on, I guess, four straight seasons where, I guess, Jacoby Brissett was, was a quarterback in a couple of those different seasons, but you went from Brissett to Luck to Brissett to Rivers to Wentz. I mean, it, it's kind of been all over the place, and the emotions and the expectations, I would say, from fans have also kind of really, really big undulations there where you've tried to keep a, a level mindset there. So maybe just start now, before we get into the historical stuff with the state of the franchise here. What is your opinion on the state of the franchise as far as how hopeful you are going forward? And, and more importantly, what do you think the fans are thinking right now? Because I know they were very high, maybe a little bit too high in that Jacoby Brissett season when, when he took over before, before Rivers got, got there, maybe a little too low going into that season. How, how do you see things right now? Yeah, a lot of big swings for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. been, you know, I mean, look, they're, they've, they're now going to have, I think, changed quarterbacks in four straight seasons, which is just insane. Uh, even even the worst teams in the NFL probably don't go through that, you know. So it it really is a unique situation. There's no doubt. Um, I think the fans mostly get it. Uh, you know, I think people who went through the Peyton Manning era understand that's not what this is, you know. And <laughs> clearly, and so you know, for, I tell people all the time, you know, for a period of about eh, 20 years, they had mostly two quarterbacks. You know, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And it was really good. <laughs> so, you know, you had two elite quarterbacks, you know, one of them in the Hall of Fame, you know, for a period of 20 years. I mean, that's that's like striking gold and just doesn't happen. And even owner Jim Mercy has admitted that, like, all right, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. No question about it. So, anyway, uh, like I said, a lot of transition lately. Um, going to change the quarterbacks again, fourth year in a row, as I said. And uh, I, But I think there's... I think that people want to be hopeful and and want to think that there's reason for optimism because, I mean, they can look at the roster as anybody can and say, all right, well, that guy's really good. That guy's really good. Uh, they have more depth than they've had probably in a lot of years. Uh, they they definitely have, like, look at defense. They have talent at every single level of that defense. You You cannot deny that there are studs at every level of the defense, you know, some better than others, but they're there. 
uh, on offense, right? You have the makings of what you need to have a great offense. You have a great elite offensive line. You have what looks like a fantastic young running back. Uh, you, you have, I think, some wide receiver potential there as well. You know, a guy like Michael Pittman who might have number one wide receiver stuff. You know, we'll see. Um, but the quarterback, you know, and so here we are. It's it's a really rare situation. You know, I've been around the NFL a long time, and I don't know that I've ever seen a situation where I was around a team that was this prepared to compete yet had no answers at quarterback. You know, it's usually the other way around. You know, you have this really good quarterback. It's Matthew Stafford in the Lions, you know. Uh, those situations can happen. Uh, because at the end of the day, the quarterback's still just one guy. But uh, here, I think you have the opposite. You you generally spend so much time looking for the quarterback that you you end up ignoring the other stuff. <laughs> here, they had the quarterback, they thought, and uh, they did a good job of accumulating the other talent, and then the quarterback retired. So it's yeah, it's a and by retired, I mean Andrew Luck, not the other quarterback who retired, Philip Rivers. So yeah, you got multiple retirements here. Right. I told Frank Rick recently, I was like, you know, maybe it's you, you know, people keep <laughs> retiring. So um, anyway, but he actually did laugh. I, I'm glad he laughed because I wasn't sure if he was going to find that funny. Um, so, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I see the team. And I think, and I think, as I said, I think most fans understand that, but um, patience is also fleeting, you know? So at some point people are going to, I think they're already there almost, you know, there, a lot of people are getting there like, you know what? All right enough you know we can't use that excuse forever and they're right you know you got to win and I think Chris Ballard and Frank Reich feel that pressure not that they're getting fired but I think they're impatient because they're competitors and they should be that they should feel that way yeah yeah I mean it really is flipping from one end of the extreme to to another I mean you mentioned Peyton Manning Andrew Luck if you were I think objectively going to say who maybe Trevor Lawrence is the next guy in this in in this generational quarterback draft pick number one overall pick the Colts happened to get two in a row uh basically in that regard and they you know building around the quarterback was difficulty and that kind of gives you a good floor now you you admit really do you see these teams who seem to have a very strong floor as the Colts do without having the quarterback so again I want to kind of go go back in time a little bit here so so Ballard comes in 2017 right right uh, Wright comes in, in 2018, and I think a reason that I started really paying attention to what Chris Ballard was doing is he was doing a lot of the kind of standard, you know, analytics types of moves when it comes to the draft. He was trading back, right? Um, I mean, there was opportunity there to trade back from the Sam Darnold pick and pick up a few extra second round picks, um, traded back from the first round into the second round where I think Washington tr- traded up in, in that one. He held a lot of powder uh, uh, as far as cap space was concerned. And now it, it's flipped around. So I guess going back and, and looking back in time here, you know, the, the, the best result that the Colts had during this stretch was that 2018 season, making it to the divisional round. Uh, again, like I said, they were trading back. So they, they had, you know, they, they, they weren't exactly pushing forward in that regard. They had 50 million in cap space. Um, was it possible that Ballard was being too conservative during during that point in time? Because some people were pointing to that. I like the patient approach. Obviously, he didn't know that Andrew Luck was going to retire. But but even 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 if you don't you don't blame him for that, um, should he have been trying to maximize that time at that point here? Because I go back and forth on that question. Yeah. So 
I think in hindsight, it's a fair question, uh, but I also understand, I, I can see where he was coming from, right? So, and what I mean by that is uh, two, 2017, they go four and 12, Andrew Luck doesn't play. And so in 2018, I don't think they knew what they were, you know? Um, I, I don't think they knew, for example, right, that Darius Leonard was going to come on the scene and be the player that he was and, and help transform that defense. Um, I don't think they knew what Matt Eberflus's immediate impact would be as the defensive coordinator. I think he did a, that was one of his really masterful jobs. I thought, you know, so far in his what three seasons, you know, really young defense and to get those guys to play as big as they did. Uh, I, I think you didn't, you also didn't know what Andrew Luck was going to be. Cause I think if you watch the first few games of 2018, he's not the same guy as the guy you saw in the postseason that year or toward, toward the end, you know, where they won nine out of 10, he was still working his way back. And, and I think, remember, he, he didn't line up with that team until the first day of training camp even. So uh, there were a lot of uncertainties there. So I think they were still in, in a mindset of, of rebuilding to some extent. They had, they had Andrew Luck. And, and with Andrew Luck, a quarterback at that level, maybe you're never really rebuilding. But uh, they didn't know what they had, you know? I think, I think we saw the potential for some of those young guys, but there were a lot of young guys. I mean, they, I think I got to believe half over half their team was probably on rookie contract. You know what I mean? It was, it was really unique, you know, that situation. So, you know, to, so to, so then, you know, go all in uh, and, and go big in free agency and, and maybe tie yourself down for a couple of years uh, and lose some flexibility for a couple of years. I, I think, that would have been something that that Chris Ballard would have been reluctant to do. He was reluctant to do and did not do it. Um, and I understand why, because again, we need to figure out what we are. You have a new coach, all those things, right? I mean, I, I just don't think there was any reason to assume they were going to be a team that could go on a run. Um, I thought they could be good, but you know, that was mostly based on the fact that I was assuming Andrew Luck would play well, but I mean, that's it. That was really all I was going on. You know, I was like, all right, the offensive line looks good, but I mean, you know, we didn't know Braden Smith could play right tackle, you know, all these little things, you know, it, it, there were, we didn't know what that team was. And I think that's true for us, me, you, and, and also Chris Ballard at that time. So uh, they just, they developed a lot quicker than anyone envisioned. And, and then that's why it was so, it, it was such a blow, obviously, when, when Andrew Luck retired a year from then, um, a year forward from then, because that team, then they did know. <laughs> then it was like, all right, you know what? Why can't we be in the AFC championship game? You know, and I think though all of those thoughts were were very reasonable. So yeah, I, I don't I don't blame Ballard for that. I, I think again, totally fair question, but I think they needed to find out what they were in 2018. And as it turned out, they were pleasantly surprised that damn, we're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is amazing how much a single offseason, a single draft class can make a difference. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that 2018 draft class, I mean, also Quentin Nelson, right, um, earlier, and then and then bringing in Darius Leonard and others, it's it's maybe a little bit analogous to, like, the 2017 Saints draft class where they got Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin Kamara and all those guys and, and really took a, took a next step there. Um, yeah, hard to predict that something like that was going to happen. But now with knowing knowing that Brissett is going to take over, knowing that Andrew Luck is out. There are a few moves that were criticized. Um, 
And in retrospect, maybe you could say, I mean, number one was maybe giving Brissett a little bit more money than what he, his, you know, whatever his fair value, quote unquote fair value, whatever, whatever you want right. to say there. It was kind of a, a show of faith um, uh, uh, of giving him that. So maybe there's that there. Should they have been more aggressive trying to just get a quarterback? Um, they didn't, didn't have the ability in the draft to do that. Although last year, maybe if they don't make the DeForest Buckner trade, they can, they can move up, something like that. Um, those, those sorts of ideas. Have you think, have you, have you, do you think they've been doing enough to address the position and then left at the point they are now with Wentz? And we'll talk about this quite a bit going forward. We're, I mean, it's a risky move, right? So this is not a, a move that necessarily would be a 1A type of decision that you would want to, to make as a franchise. But maybe because of the timing and the life cycle of a lot of the players that we're talking about who are now coming off of their rookie deals and you're going to have to pay them and it's going to get a lot more difficult. Maybe it's a move that the timing is being dictated to you rather than you deciding this is the, this is the exact point that you, you want to go in after having that patient approach. Yeah, well, let's just be clear. I think on the Carson Wentz deal, while, while I think it was arguably the, the best option of the options available to them, in a perfect world, this would probably not be the move, right? I mean, right. <laughs> let's just yeah. be clear, right? I mean, if they had a top 10 draft pick, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, they they realize that, okay, we're at pick 21 and getting to the area of the draft they need to get. Because, I mean, you don't, you can't just go to like number 10 like the Chiefs did with Mahomes. You have to go, you know, six, seven, eight at best, you know, to to really be in control of the situation this year. There's just too many, you know, teams that could go quarterback. So, so I think given all of that, um, you know, this was perhaps their best option. I mean, unless, unless you just wanted to take the, you know, throw in the towel, you know, for lack of a better word and, and sign Fitzpatrick or someone of, you know, in that mold and just, eh, you know, we go eight and eight, we go eight and eight and we'll figure it out next year. But anyway, um, generally speaking, going even back to 2000. Uh, 19, as you said, you know, when, when luck retired, uh, what have they done since then? Uh, I mean, look, well, first of all, the, the Brissette contract, I don't think it was really, well, they didn't, they never framed it as a, as a commitment to him, certainly not a long-term commitment. It was more of a, it was more of a down payment, I think is how they saw it. You know, they had plenty of money. Um, I think it was, you know, what, what was that somewhat of a, a show of faith to the team as well, perhaps? You know, I think it, when you can say to your team, hey, we're putting our money behind behind our words with this guy. So he's our guy. At least he was for the time being. Um, maybe that carries some weight with the team. So, you know, I don't think there was any I don't think there was any long term ill effect from doing it. I think that was some of it was optics and, you know, trying to do the right thing by him and you know all that. So I give him credit for that. Fine. Um you know, and then so so really, there was only so much you could do at that point anyway, right? What are you going to do unless there's that Sam Bradford type of trade uh, that the Eagles and Vikings made after the Bridgewater injury? You know, which which really I don't know how great that panned out anyway, but um, not for a first round pick. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so I mean, unless some kind of deal like that was available to you, I don't know that that you really do anything more dramatic, especially when you have a you know, what you think is a competent quarterback at that time and Jacoby Brissett, you know, um, who they wanted to learn more about. So anyhow, I think the real story starts in 2020 and their decision then to say, we'll go with Phillip Rivers and, you know, the way, as I've put it, kick the can down the road <laughs> in terms of finding that quarterback. And I remember Frank Reich telling me that, uh, 
you know, he looked at every free agent quarterback. And the one guy I can't speak on is Tom Brady. I just don't ever think that was ever a real possibility. And probably yeah, from Tom yeah. Brady's standpoints too, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, he, <laughs> I don't he know Tom like Bra- he was locked in. On, yeah, like on so Tampa, people yeah. have asked me that, right? Like, well, right. why did they sign Rivers over Brady? Well, I don't think they did. I just think that was never really a conversation <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. on either side. I don't know that Demerce is going to sign a, you know, the all-time Patriots greatest player. <laughs> yeah. How's that going to go over, right? And then is Tom Brady going to go play for the Colts? So I don't I, So I never really bought that. Uh, of So anyway, back to Frank Reich. Uh, of the available quarterbacks, free agency, uh, the draft, et cetera, uh, he felt that Phillip Rivers was their best option. You know, it was that view, uh, you know, maybe jaded a little bit, or jaded's the wrong word, but skewed, I guess, you know, because of his personal history there, maybe, probably. Uh, but I also don't hate it. I mean, I thought Phillip Rivers, for what he is, like he gave them everything you could have hoped, you know, for what he was at 39 years old. So, but again, uh, that came at the cost of kicking the can down the road. And you, you mentioned already the number 13 pick, they trade that for DeForest Buckner. Hard to really criticize it. I mean, the guy was transformative last season. So I just think really there has been a, I think it's fair to say there has been a reluctance to, to really go all in on a young quarterback prospect you know the the past two off seasons they're clearly not doing it this year either um and and what i think is the reason for that is they're just they don't love their options maybe and or at least the ones that are within their reach you know they're not getting trevor lawrence right so but the ones that are realistic for them i i I can only interpret that they have some some doubts you know and and they think right now they're they're better served trying to resurrect Carson Wentz, whether you think that's good or bad, but, but that's the decision. And uh, they think that that could buy them some time. And if they're right, then I think it's really hard to argue, but you know, if they're wrong, then they're kind of back to square one. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I say the force Buckner trade probably was the biggest signal that they were flipping the switch. Cause not only are you trading with the draft pick, you're giving him, I mean, not. I'm not sure if it's Aaron Donald money, but close to Aaron, Aaron close, Donald type yeah. of t- type of money, uh, making one of the highest paid players. Now it paid off, um, but it was almost a trade where he, he he needed to be close to this level for it to pay off for all for yeah. all that you gave up for it. So in some ways, you could say there was some good fortune on their side that things ended up working out as as well as it did. Now for this offseason, for the different options that were out there, obviously there's this tie between between Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. So how much do you know about the other options that people are floating out there? I mean, you mentioned the trading up. It's kind of a non-starter, right? In this, it, like with, there are probably 15 teams with better draft picks that everyone is talking about trading up to, to go get someone. So I, I, don't, I don't think that was really an option. I don't think they could really be criticized for that, uh, for that move. PFF in Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. Um, But the other options that may have been out there, I mean, if you wanted to find someone 
for the short term, since they're still in this winning window, I mean, could, could Philip Rivers have come back? Was this Philip Rivers wanting to retire? Because, like you said, he played at a high enough level, clearly, to get them into the playoffs a couple of plays away from winning that wild card game against the Buffalo Bills, who were a very good team. Uh, was that? Was there any chance of that happening? If either side pushed for it. Yeah, so, you know, it was kind of a weird process, the way that whole thing went. Um, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I think Phillip Rivers coming back for one more year, even though, look, I can sit here and talk for 10 minutes about things that the guy, you know, doesn't do well and and that kind of hamstring you, right? I mean, first, let's right. start with he can't move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 2021, you got a quarterback who can't move. Like, that's yeah. terrible. But uh, he does clearly make up for it with a lot of the other things that he brings. Well, he doesn't and, take sacks, at least. He gets the ball no, out of his hand. So, yeah. No, I mean, you know, he is I, – I will tell you, you know, having covered him now for the, for the one year that I did, I learned a lot. And I what I learned, I think, in particular is it's not an exaggeration to say he is on the Peyton Manning level and that Drew Brees level when it comes to uh, – the above the neck portion of the game. I don't think there's any question about it. I saw it up close and personal and I, I have a greater appreciation for his, his abilities there. Uh, Frank, Frank Craig said that, and he told us to expect that he was right. There's no question. And I think that's how you play 17 seasons, you know, with just a complete utter lack of ability, <laughs> you know, how else could you pull that off? I, I'm not trying to make light of it, but it, like, it's a factor, right? I mean, come on. So, yeah. Yeah, so he to his credit, it's it's just it's actually amazing what he's been able to do both with the throwing motion, his lack of mobility, just all of the things that you would think would make him uh, not good at his job. <laughs> he rises above them because of the things that he does well. You know, he was really accurate, which is not something I expected. Uh, so I mean, very very good season. Uh, I feel like I was a little puzzled on how this was going to go initially. Um, when the season ended, Philip Rivers said, uh, you know, I'm going to take some time. I don't know what I want to do. Um, but he had been saying in the weeks leading up to the playoffs, because the question kept coming up, he had been I, – I came away with the impression that he is strongly leaning toward playing in 2021. If you would have asked me uh, the day after – the wild card playoff game, what's Philip Rivers going to do? I would have said he's coming back. Now, I didn't know for a fact, but that would have been my bet. Uh, I think, of course, in their exit meetings, they had to kind of figure out, okay, where are we going to leave this? And the agreement between the team and Rivers was, look, let's just all go home and sleep on this for a month or so. Let's talk again uh, in a few weeks. That's perfectly reasonable. And literally the next week, Philip Rivers announced his retirement. So uh, I have been asked by a lot of people, you know, did the Colts have a change of heart and tell them they didn't want him back? I don't think that happened. I mean, if you look around at their options, it's hard to argue that they would say that, you know, because based on what, you know, and I really think it was just Philip saying, you know what, um, it, I, I had a good run. And, and that's, that's really what it was. I think his family was a big part of that. The Colts did now for the record, the Colts did tell him we're going to look at our options. They have to, they, they needed to do that. They needed to at least take a look at the landscape and see what was out there. I think at the end of that process, they were probably going to come back and say, we'd like to go one more, one more round with, with Philip, but, but they did tell him that. And then, and I think he's, he's a big boy. He understood the reality there. Uh, 
he knows he's 39, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know that they were going to do better. And I think them making this trade, which is not something that I'm sure they were dying to do. <laughs> I think this tells you that, yeah, they probably would have just gone with the, another year of Phillip rivers. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I mean, they, they have not, um, they have not given themselves, or let me put it this way, outside of Jacob Eason, their fourth-round pick last season, who I don't want to forget about and I think has potential, um, they, they really haven't done anything about turning the page, you know, and they're, they're definitely they're, – they're year to year, basically, almost at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what, what Wentz would bring – okay, let's say in, in comparison to, to Rivers is maybe you can argue – at least physically, and what we saw in 2017, higher end play, right? So, right. Um, if he if everything goes right, the same team they had last year that gets eliminated in the wild card round potentially is going to the conference championship or something or something like that. So we could say that he's he's younger now. Do you know if they considered it all? And it doesn't sound like the timing was going to work out um, from from the from the Jets side. But you know if they considered it all, looking at someone like Sam Darnold, who again it's younger, so you're not just getting a single season. You're getting someone you can you can exercise a fifth year option. You can have the, you know, a pretty cheap option for the next couple of years. Maybe I'm thinking of some other guys who may have been out there, like uh, Marcus Mariota, maybe traded again reclamation type of project for someone who. People were pretty excited about a couple of years into his career, but then then things fell off. And then in the free agent market, not the most exciting option. We, 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 everyone loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. It seems like he's everyone's favorite player, but um, I don't so think like he's every front games. office's favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> he's every he's every fan's favorite player to watch. Um, maybe not every coach's and every front office uh, personnel's favorite player. So he's out there. Cam Newton potentially is out there. Andy Dalton may be out there. Um, it depends on other guys who, who who could also free up and, and could be other. So there were definitely other options. Do you think any of those were seriously considered or was it, you know what, this is our one, this is our one a option is of Wentz now that rivers is not here. Let's just lock this down and start moving forward at this point. And really nothing else is compelling enough to, to, to approach. Yeah. Well, I know that Darnold was discussed and, okay. and he should have been, I think he should have yeah. been, uh, but, but I agree with what you also said, which is the, the timing was a little bit of an issue um it's kind of like again i agree i think we're in agreement on trading up not really being a realistic option but even if it even if it was that you also have uh the reality that that's not gonna happen right now i mean most likely i mean most of those trades tend to happen after free agency you know after the first rush of free agency at at best if not yeah. at the draft you know so how would you square all that just in terms of the timing? So I think Wentz was one of those things where the, the Wentz trade, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, we, we have to, if we're going to act, we have to act with some conviction here because you're making your decision now, I think, you know, and now, you know, there is also the reality that there may not have been any other teams in the mix, but that could change, you know? And I think the longer he was out there, maybe, you know, maybe Philadelphia would have found some other suitors, but uh, to your question about other options, I, again, I, Darnold was discussed. I, I don't, I didn't get a great sense of what the evaluation was on him internally. Um, I, I think clearly Wentz is held in much higher regard. I mean, just by virtue of, of Frank Reich's history, there's no question about that. And I mean, just watch them, right? I mean, I think the, the physical tools that you've seen Wentz 
exhibit, not that Darnold doesn't have tools, but I think we've seen them more consistently from Carson Wentz, I think, than, than Sam Darnold. Although I think Sam Darnold in the right situation, who knows, you know, if you can get him away from Adam Gates, who knows? Um, <laughs> it's happened for others, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's amazing what happened to Ryan Tannehill when he got away from yeah. Adam Gates, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, I, I just think it was, I, I don't think they felt really strongly about any of those other options. Um, and they also, other than Darnold, most of those other options didn't come with the the upside of Carson Wentz. I mean, say what you want. I mean, last year, it was awful. I can't defend it. I, there's nothing you can, there's no redeeming quality about anything he did last year, right? I mean, right. we all saw it. But we also saw that, you know, between 2017 and 2019, there was a lot of good football. And I have no idea how this is going to go. I, I don't think the Colts really can promise you how it's going to go but we know what he can be so uh, at least you have that you know and I think with those other options you don't have that um, for the most part you know Sam Darnold maybe being the one possible exception so it, I think you're getting at least a little bit of an added bonus yes they're going a little bit year to year at this point but none of those options that we've talked about you know get you the potential of, of maybe getting off of this carousel finally you know, at least for a few years, they would love that. And, you know, if the Colts come out of this with a quarterback that's viable, I don't know if he's going to be elite, but I mean, if, you, if they come out of this with a quarterback who's viable for a few years, I mean, just think about how much better they'll sleep at night. You know, and I think that that's compelling. I mean, right now, you know, you're going year to year at quarterback. That's that's a tough way to live in the NFL. So, you know, that potential payoff is really compelling for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting with Wentz. Like, I think we've seen this cycle almost on this off season, where when he was first ben- benched in December, uh, I remember writing something about you know kind of doing this analysis and saying his projection going forward seems probably better than some people think. Because at that point in time, there was a lot of talk, maybe not serious talk, but at least talk of people on Twitter saying. Hey, you're going to have to Osweiler this guy. You're going to have to send a second-round pick with Carson Wentz. Then we flipped around to it's going to cost two first-round picks to get him the opposite <laughs> direction. And now we settled in here. So w- what what do you think about the compensation? What do you think the reaction has been to the compensation? Because I haven't seen as much. Maybe I don't have as many uh, Colts fans on my timeline. But I know Bears fans seemed extremely worried about the prospect of successfully trading for Carson Wentz in the, in the neighborhood of, you know, multiple first round picks or at least a first round pick. What, what do you think the reaction has been in Indianapolis or I I guess was there, was there enough desperation in Indianapolis and that such a, it's such a huge bright light that they needed to fill that maybe it was a better situation as far as a fan fan reaction is concerned. So I think desperation is a key word here because you mentioned the bears fans and, you know, I was kind of monitoring those, those conversations and are hearing a lot of those conversations, you know, on my Twitter feed because I was covering the story and yeah, yeah, I I did sense that the Bears fans in particular, I think because they know that their brass is in a little bit of a desperate situation. uh, They did fear that there's no question. And I think that's why it, it, I think desperation drives a lot of the bad moves around this league. You know, I mean, why do people reach in the draft, whatever that means. Right. I mean, I think that, as a different definition for everybody. Right. But, but whatever, let's just, I don't love that term, but let's just use it for, for lack of a better word in this case. Why do people reach a lot of times it's like, well, I really need a quarterback. 
he's probably not the guy, but I need a quarterback. You know, like right. you do that. Um, why do people, you know, make bad trades, right? I mean, it's all times it's desperation. So um, Chris Ballard, I, I do believe was willing to walk away. Um, they they kind of proved that, well, prove is the wrong word, but, but they kind of demonstrated that with uh, the Matt Stafford deal. Now they were never really, I think, in position to make that deal. Nobody was, right? But it was just such a unique situation between the Rams and Lions. And, and we know what, the, what that was all about, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, but the Colts didn't really make a strong offer by comparison from everything that I've heard. Now, I don't know the particulars, but I don't think they made a strong offer that was even in the stratosphere of what was what it took to get that deal done. And that's because that's about how they, that's about how strongly they felt about getting that deal done. <laughs> you know, they felt like, you know what, if we can get him for this, yeah, we'll take him. Uh, they felt he's on the downside of his career, et cetera. I, I'm getting a little off the subject, but my point is this is Chris Ballard. And, and I think some Colts fans, uh, some Colts fans like this and some are really frustrated with this, but this is who he is. He he's very predictable in these matters. Uh, whether it's free agency, trade, whatever, he's going to set a price or whatever his offer or compensation, whatever it is. He's going he's gonna to have a figure in his head, assess the situation, come up with a figure or offer slash offer and stick to it. That's what he does. And I think you'll notice oftentimes with free agency with the Colts, a lot of times what they do is they'll let guys go hit the market and let them come back home. You know, they do that kind of thing. And it, that's exactly why, because I think sometimes the player has a number in his head and Ballard in the front office are saying, you know what? No, we kind of, this is kind of where we're at. And you kind of have to be a little bit of a jerk to some extent. I don't think that he does it like a jerk, but I mean, it may come off that way. I think uh, you kind of have to be a little bit of a, of, of a jerk and say, you know, this is where I'm at and it is what it is. So He's very consistent about the way he does business. And again, that will, that has cost him, I assure you some free agents, right. But um, he feels like I can lay my head down at night because I'm sticking to what has worked for me. And uh, you know, I, I think that's what, that's how this trade played out is what I'm saying. And um, were they ever going to get railroaded on this? I didn't think so. I, I think the compensation isn't bad now for, for the Eagles. I, I do think the Eagles did fine. I thought Howie Roseman, to his credit, um, he, he should, he'd probably make a great realtor. I mean, could you imagine his, um, could you imagine his, his Zillow ads? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, here's this uh, two bedroom condo, uh, 600,000. What do you think? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, great gym in the building, you know? So <laughs> I think that's kind of what this was. He was, he was making a sales pitch and no one was really buying it, but um, yeah. So you got a guy who was, you know, overselling. (laughs) And then you have on the other side, Chris Ballard, who's like, yeah, nah, you know, so you you had really two opposite forces there. (laughs) And I would say they kind of met in the middle. I I really think they met in the middle. Um, the, The Colts, the Colts, knew that they were going to pay a premium on what he probably was really worth because he's a quarterback. That was, that was their internal determination. All right, we get it. He's a quarterback. It's going to cost us more than, you know, another player of, of that level. Um, 
you know, who was at another position, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, so I think yeah. they, they made their minds up about that in, internally. And, you know, I, I think that's why you saw them willing to go with the first, the conditional first, I guess, a conditional second, but uh, that can be a first. Uh, that though, I think was, was really good on their part because I mean, I think you're worried about two things. You're worried about if, what if we can't salvage this guy, right? Uh, and then you're also not worried, but you're, you're cognizant of, he has had some injuries. So they did at least put some protection in there. And I think that was big because uh, I think there was some real concern about those issues in the front office. So they got some protection for that. So I think both sides kind of got some of the things they wanted out of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have any read on the relationship there? I mean, it seems like a pretty strong relationship. Uh, Everyone's on the same page from coach to GM to ownership now, it wouldn't be the first time in history, though, we've seen things not go the way as planned, and then that, then the fingers come out, right? So that finger pointing comes out, and then, and then someone's there. I mean, do you think there's any chance as early as three-quarters of the way through this season, if things are not going well with Carson Wentz, um, I don't know who they'll have at backup. I mean, will they bring Jacoby Brissett back at, at a number? I don't know. Um, you mentioned Eason, who they have, who's a total um, a question mark at this, at this point. Uh, could things get hot? for for Chris Ballard if this trade doesn't work out even as early as the end of this year uh hot in terms of like pressure maybe yes hot in terms of you know is his job in danger I I really don't think so um yeah uh, Jim Mercer is already on record saying that he wants to extend Chris Ballard his contract is up I believe next January or February. So he's got okay. a, a little over a little less than a year left on his contract. Uh, Jim Mercer has already gone on record saying that will change very soon. <laughs> so he's going to get extended. And and I will tell you, I, I actually kind of give Jim Mercer some credit here because he, he gets he gets the reputation for being and look, he talks a lot and he's <laughs> He's eccentric, and look, I mean, I've never met a, an owner like him, all right? There isn't another owner like him, maybe. But I will tell you this. Uh, I I have really kind of enjoyed watching this play out under Chris Ballard because Jim Mercer, uh, Jim Mercer is the opposite of Chris Ballard. He is the guy who's like, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna win three of the next four Super Bowls. Like, how? What? What are you talking about? You know, but <laughs> yeah. but yet he has he has listened to Chris Ballard and he has allowed Chris Ballard to to be uh methodical and you know take his time and and to just do it his way you know he came in with a blueprint and this is how i want to do it and to jim mercy's credit he's completely bought in (laughs) you know even though he says the total opposite a lot of times when we talk to him (laughs) that's okay i mean he's not in there trying to blow up the blueprint you know to his credit he is he has completely handed the reins over uh, look, he he does not meddle as much as people think that he is is all up in things. He really doesn't. He he's a smart guy, and he he was a general manager himself at one point, and you know under his father's ownership, and wasn't probably wasn't very good at it. I guess you know in retrospect, and I was sure I'm sure he would admit. So he knows how hard the job is, and I think that gives him perspective. And he probably looks at Chris Ballard and thinks, yeah, he's so much better at this than I was, <laughs> you know? So yeah. he gets it. And, and so anyway, th- your question was more about Ballard and Reich, but I, I think it stems from the owner. And I think that's why I don't see a hot seat 
anytime in the next year or so uh, in terms of their jobs being in jeopardy because frankly, Jamerce thinks it's going really well. And I, and I think that that notion is, is very well founded. I mean, given what they've had to deal with. And I, I hate saying it because it sounds like I'm making excuses for him. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a homer, but um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> your Pro Bowl quarterback retires, you know, less than two years ago. Um, you really haven't had a great opportunity to fill it. I mean, how many teams out there are in quarterback purgatory just infinitely, right? I mean, we've seen that happen. It's hard. So, you know, I think people get that, especially when it's not something you anticipated. It, it would be different if you had an older quarterback who, you know, at some point was nearing retirement. And, you know, if you don't draft a replacement at some point, that's on you. You're an idiot. You know, um, that's not what happened here. This was very abrupt. So they never really had a chance to plan for this uh, from a long term perspective. And I think that's why, you know, they're trying to deal with it as best they can. But but no, I don't I don't anticipate to your question, a, any kind of a hot seat situation. I do think there, if you talk about pressure though, I do think there's pressure uh, from fans. You know, this isn't Philly granted, but uh, I told, I was talking to Philly radio the other day and, you know, they, they asked me about that, you know, just how the outlook or the approach of people in the Midwest is different than Philly and New York. I said, well, yeah, that's true. But um, I said, <laughs> the one thing though, people, everywhere have expectations and at some point I said look call me in week 13 and if the Colts have won three games I will happily tell you about the empty stadium okay <laughs> because it's, so they may not you know go out there and burn your jersey in the parking lot you know but there's still expectations and and people hold teams accountable in different ways you know so um I think that's just something to remember that uh they still have to, they still have to, you know, not that it's all about selling tickets. I mean, look, there's revenue sharing <laughs> and teams make plenty right. of money, but, but at the end of the day, um, you're still accountable to your fan base. And I think there's, you know, people, people here are thirsting for a team that's, you know, that's, that's a, a competitor or I, I don't want to use the word contender, but really they want to contend. Yeah. Finally, the 2021 NFL Draft Guide is out with 150 player profiles, everything you need to be on top of things well before we get to April when your team is on the clock. You can get it with an Edge or Elite subscription. Use promo code SUPERBOWL25 and get 25% off those subscriptions. And that promo code is active through Monday after the Super Bowl. That's 25% off an annual Edge or Elite subscription which includes the 2021 NFL Draft Guide with promo code SUPERBOWL25. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions, like when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird when it when it comes to the quarterback. I mean, my only thinking was, I don't think that this move is as big of a, I guess in a way as big of a deal in a way as as some people may. I mean, let's face it, whoever mm-hmm. trades for Sam Darnold, uh, they may give up a second round pick. I don't know. Uh, maybe a third round pick. People are going to think that's a big deal when you're giving away like a second round pick and the second round picks typically, you know, they work out 50% of the time and they don't work out the other 50% of the time. Even in this situation, they're wedded to Wentz for two years, basically at 
like Teddy Bridgewater type of money. Right. Um, and, and they gave away, you know, there, there could be a first round pick, but you know, like I said, first round picks don't, don't always hit. So yeah, it would be good to not overreact too much to this. But one thing that I'm thinking about though, with, with this off season, you know, you have the cap space, you have a year where the cap is a little bit lower. You want to build around the quarterback. Obviously you have the 21st pick, uh, I mean, I'm kind of looking on the offensive side of the ball. I think everyone thinks the offensive line is doing fairly well. The backfield with Jonathan Taylor looks pretty good. But I'm not so sure about what else they have around him, quite honestly. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. Uh, Michael Pittman looked pretty good, but he's a rookie. He's a second-round pick. You never know if those things are, go- are going to work out. There's some other younger guys in the wide receiving core. Uh, I think Trey Burton is a free agent, I believe. Moali Cox is a restricted free agent, so he'll probably be back. Well, do you think they need to focus on building that part out, not only – because it's the it's building a great offense is a good good way to win games, but to really invest in Carson Wentz now the you, you kind of want to solidify the investment that you've already made there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think when I look at the offense, because I think the defense is very viable. There's some holes that we can talk about, but I mean, I, I think that they're they're pretty standard holes that every team has to deal with every year. I mean, there's a couple of guys, maybe like Xavier Rhodes or someone yeah, that they that, want that's to bring a big back, one. but he's, yeah. he's older. He performed well. Like why wouldn't he yeah. want to come back on a, on yeah. a decent deal? Right. Right. I, I think there, there are ways to deal with those issues. Uh, I, I think on, on offense though, when I look, I like their offense. I, I think they have the potential to be really productive, but, uh, but I do think, yeah, when you, when you look at the skill positions, there's a little bit of a, you have to kind of project a lot you know, and, and I think that's where you can get in trouble. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself, okay, are we overrating these guys, you know, and, and are we expecting too much production out of these guys? Oh, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with T.Y. Hilton. That's a really delicate situation. He's a, you know, sort of a, a, a team icon, uh, definitely, you know, one of their franchise greats. He's third in, in, uh, franchise history and receiving behind Reggie Wayne and, and Marvin Harrison or Marvin Harrison, and Reggie Wayne in that order. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, this guy, he's got a chance to end his career here. So that is, that's a delicate thing, but is he the player he once was? No, but they also have a very young receiving core. So there's value there. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but I think that's why this is hard because, there is room there to to add, I think, some juice, you know, you know, to to bring a John Grudenism in here. I mean, there there is some room there. Um, you know, Paris Campbell, I think the world of, but I mean, what do we know about Paris Campbell, you know, in terms of whether he can stay healthy? Uh, and if you're not asking that question, then you're not very realistic. <laughs> you know, he's he's basically missed most of his first two years. Um, Michael Pittman, I like what I saw, you know. Uh what happens when, you know, when, when he has to take the lead dog role, you know, can he do that? You know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, so I think that's going to be the question. The, the thing is though, what's interesting is I keep telling people this, whether they listen, I don't know, but just look at Chris Ballard's history. I think he's not really hard to predict just because he's very consistent. He doesn't spend money at, on the perimeter players. You know, I think he he drafts those guys generally. The the only thing they'll do is they'll they'll sign like a mid level tight end type guy like Eric Ebron a couple of years ago. They every year they seem to do that because that's such a big staple for Frank Reich. You, he's got to have that sort of you know stretch tight end type guy. Uh, Trey Burton was that guy this year. Uh, I, you know, do they sign? Do they acquire Zach Ertz if he becomes available? Yeah, that could happen. I could see that. Uh, but I think there'll be some move at tight end. 
just because I think Frank Reich and his offense kind of demand that. Um, but yeah, wide receiver is really interesting. I, I, you know, could I see the Colts going out and signing Chris Godwin for 20 million a year? I, I don't really see that. That's not a Chris Ballard move. You know, I, I just, I would be stunned, not because I don't think he's good, just because I don't think Chris Ballard will do that. You know, it's just not something he's ever done. However, I think as we've already said, they're, they are kind of at a pivotal place and, and the stakes are high for Carson Wentz. So that's why I, I wonder if there could be an out of character move for one time, you know, for once. I, I do wonder that. Um, we'll have to see. And, and there, I think there will be some, some cap casualties that we aren't yet aware of. So the, the marketplace could change, but they've got to consider that they got to consider and ask themselves honestly, whether they have enough and, and whether they're projecting too much from the group that they have, they feel really strongly about it, but I think there are questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think T.Y. Hilton is really interesting because um, I mean, obviously clearly a, a great player at, at the same time, you could point to the fact that he hasn't really produced without you know, an Andrew Luck or, or someone like that there, although he's, he had him there for most of the season. He's 32 years old. Um, I think for Wentz, I know he's relied heavily upon the tight ends there. So I think you're right that that's going to be a focus. There's also a thought. Now, I don't know how it, it's tough to really gauge these things um, that he was missing post 2017. And, and when he had some struggles after that and then missing the last couple of years, someone who could stretch the field. So I, I don't know if T.Y. Hilton in this point of his career, is he really like the same field stretching sort of guy? Because I guess Torrey Smith was there before for Wentz where he didn't use, utilize him heavily, but he was he was good there. Whenever Deshaun Jackson has been healthy, which has been rare, um, it seems like he's catching a 60 yard touchdown every single the, the handful of games that he's been able to play. So I'm kind of interested in that, whether T.Y. Hilton be resigned, maybe Will Fuller. Or someone like that could be someone in free agency. But you're right that they have this cap space, but traditionally it's been used to extend guys, and they have Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, all these other guys left to extend. So I think that's the T.Y. Hilton is really the, the guy for me that I, I'm just not sold on. I don't know whether they're, they're sold on him as being that type of player or not. It's a great question, and, and I don't know the answer. I, I will say what's interesting uh, to piggyback on what you just laid out about T.Y. Hilton is there's two, two observations. Number one, uh, Philip Rivers last year, I don't think, to, and to his credit to some extent, uh, he didn't trust his his deep ball nearly as yeah. as often yeah. as he used to. And I give him credit because I think you know he would throw those YOLO balls, for lack of a better word, yeah. in in Los Angeles, and a lot of those got picked off. You know, he didn't throw them this year, and T.Y. Hilton suffered as as a result of that because you got to throw him those 50-50 balls. You know, uh, and he's such a good route runner that he still creates some separation, you know, for a 31 year old guy, you know, I, 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 much more than you might expect, you know, so I give him a lot of credit His route running is just impeccable. And I think that's what he's doing it with now, as opposed to the pure speed, he's still got some speed, but you know, that, that diminishes. Uh, but yeah, he, he, there's no question. I think with a different quarterback, he would have had more production last season, T.Y. Hilton. And then, so what have I done the last couple of days? I've been watching a lot of Carson Wentz film because I've never done that because I never had a reason to. And I got to tell you, I think I could see that pairing actually being productive because that kid can throw the ball. He can throw the ball. There's no question about it. That arm yeah, strength yeah. is impressive. And he loves YOLO a little too much. Yeah, a little too, yeah, a little too much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, he is not, you know, he he's not reluctant to take those shots. It's funny. That's one of the things that Jacoby Brissett was criticized for a lot two years ago. Uh, here's this big, huge, strong guy with a rocket, you know, on his shoulder, and he wouldn't take those shots. And, and it was it was really frustrating at times. Um, but that would not be the case here. I, you know, look, he's got a lot of other issues, certainly Carson Wentz, but, you know, he's going to have presumably good protection. He's got a, a, a rocket for an arm. Those opportunities would be there, you know, whether it's T.Y. Hilton or someone else. I, I do think that they can revive their deep game whether they can solve all the problems with Carson Wentz, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But they can revive their deep ball game, I really believe, uh, with Carson Wentz because he's not reluctant to throw it. I, I just think that's going to be something that they can tap into. And when you got the play action going like they have, you know, whether it's T.Y. Hilton, Will Fuller, or someone else, I think that opportunity is going to be there. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if they can do that because I think the odds are good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to be a very, very intriguing offseason for... So you're going to be busy. You're going to be busy yeah. this offseason here. So I've, before, I've already been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, you don't get a break here. Um, uh, okay, so before I let you go, Stephen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get try to get a prediction out of you. What do you think? What's, what is your prediction for the Colts this year? Uh, a, playoffs, and how confident would you be in that result? And B, can you get beyond what, what, what the team did last year? Can you get out of that wild card round? So I think I, I really think that Carson Wentz will play at a more competent level under Frank Reich. I, maybe I'm putting too much on Frank Reich, but I'm going to write a story about this at some point. I really believe he has been or he has gotten the most out of every quarterback who's played for him in his time with the Colts. Even Andrew Luck, who, who had his most efficient season, highest QBR of his career, highest completion percentage of his career. Yeah, he under Frank became Reich. a different quarterback. It was amazing because yes. he used to take a lot of sacks. He used to hold the ball a long time, kind of, you know, who are we talking about here? Carson, yep. It sounds a lot like Carson Wentz, right? Um, and then he started, getting, he started getting the ball out of his hands quickly. The sack rate went way down. It was amazing because normally that's something you actually attribute a lot to the quarterback and you, and you think doesn't change that much over time. But that almost flipped day and night with Andrew Luck. Right, exactly. So these things are not a coincidence. I mean, just look at Phillip Rivers. It, from one season to the next, you know, two years ago, 20 interceptions uh, this past season, he had I th- 11 picks, uh, higher completion percentage, much more efficient, just in all the efficiency rankings. Right. So, you know, I mean, even Jacoby Brissett, I mean, if you want to go from his 17 season to 19, there are upticks in the efficiency numbers. I don't think that that's not a coincidence. That's three guys, three completely different quarterbacks, all of whom under Frank Reich had higher efficiency numbers. So I think if they can just get Carson to play more efficient football, uh, they have enough on the defensive side, for sure. They're going to put him in good spots and the running game is enough to, to keep, uh, keep defenses honest. There's no reason they can't be a, a team that's that's in the playoffs. Whether they win the division, uh, we'll see. I, I think they get in the playoffs, and then it becomes a question of where Carson is. Is he just that competent, efficient guy, or can he be something more? If he can be something more, now you can win a playoff game. But I'm not ready. For, I'm not prepared to say that. You know, I'm I'm more of the mindset like I think he can do enough to they can get to the playoffs just because they're good enough. 
and all he's got to do is not get in the way <laughs> uh, and, and make some of those throws that I mentioned a little bit ago, you know, just make some of those timely big throws that he's capable of making. If he can do that, they get in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. The question is going to be, can he go to that next level? And again, I'm not going to predict that here. I wouldn't be stunned, but I'm not going to predict it yet. If he, but if he can, then I think they're a team in, that can make noise in the AFC. Okay, well, you heard it here. Stephen Holder is guaranteeing the playoffs, a guarantee <laughs> for, for the playoffs for the Colts. So all Colts fans can come back, and you can find him uh, at Holder Stephen if you need if you have any complaints later on this year if it doesn't happen. <laughs> but anyway, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this has been great. Everyone out there, follow Stephen. You know, subscribe to the Athletic. Also, I have to say, I, I love everything that's going on at the Athletic, and it's really one of the best uses of money that I've that I've spent here. And, of course, rate and review the pod, and we'll be talking to you again next week on whatever's going on with some new off-season news. Thanks, everybody.